right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Titus chapter 3. And we're hopefully going to finish up this passage in Titus. I have been looking at this passage and not certain. Uh, I think what I want to do is to look at it and, and not just get lost in the text, but see some of the things that this text tells us about Christian ministry. I'm going to read through the text and uh, um, then I'm going to get back and start looking into it. We'll delve into it just a little bit, but it, it's the conclusion of the book that or the letter that Paul wrote to Titus and at the end here, he covers a number of interesting people and circumstances and things. And uh, I think there are some lessons that we can learn in this passage regarding ministry itself. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, some of the struggles that exist in Christian ministry uh, that we'll see in the text before us. Before we do that, let's ask God's blessing in this time. Lord, we stand before you as a needy people, we're your people, by your choice, by your mercy, by your grace, by your sacrifice. We thank you so much for that. Thank you for your goodness and your grace and your care for us. As we're looking at these verses, Lord, I, I pray that you'll give us insight into these things and that there would be an accurate reflection, not just of events, but events that affect us, that help us to cooperate with you and, and to grow and to mature as instruments in your hand. We want to be hearing words like, well done, good and faithful servant from the lips of the Lord himself. That is the most astounding request. I, I can't imagine people like myself, us, asking you for that seriously because it's such an astounding, astounding request. And yet, that's what we ask you. We know that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask, think. And so uh, and we, we know that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, that old things have passed away, new things have come. We ask you to work in us, to speak to us, to give us ears to hear what you have to say to us, that we will respond. I ask your blessing now upon this reading of your word and the study of it. We ask it in Jesus' name, thanksgiving. Amen. Paul writing to Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, says, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a, fa a factious man after the first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. Now, that little section there, which we're going to come back to, just kind of reminds us that there is in the church conflict, and the conflict exists 
and uh, that it's a reality. Going on with our text again in verse 12, uh, Paul writes, when I send, when I sent Artemis and Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there, diligently help uh, Zanus, the lawyer, and the Paulus on their way so that nothing is lacking for them. And here, I see there is a cooperation that takes place among the people and among the ministers, among the, the servants, that there is communication and cooperation, that they're working together. And it may be just uh, seemingly unimportant things, like meet me over here and let's, let's, uh, I'm going to do this. But they're, we're on the same page, we're on the same team. Then verse 14 says, uh, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. And there I see that there is in the church, there are challenges, things that we need to grow in, things that we need to work toward to apply to our lives, to be fruitful, to be uh, effective. And then uh, verse 15, all who are with me greet you, greet those who love us in the faith. And I just put down communication for that because there is a need for communication within the body and uh, we, we are here together, but we have other believing friends in other places and we communicate from time to time. And then the last one, the phrase, grace be with you all, I saw as a statement of conquest that we are ministering in God's <coughs> grace and his mercy and that everything that we do is because of his grace and his mercy. And so uh, those are some of the things here. But let's start out uh, at the beginning. Uh, Jesus, the, the scripture says in the world, you will have tribulation, be of good share, I've overcome the world. We are called overcomers, which is a way of pointing out that we are in a life that is a, there is a struggle, there's a struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and uh, that those of us who are resting in the work of, of the Lord and his promises, his spirit, and uh, involved in this, find that we overcome Overcome. He is the overcomer, and we overcome through him. And that, that, that points out the point that, that I want to make here in this, and I think the scripture makes, is that the Christian life is a struggle, is a war. Uh, Paul says in the book of Ephesians, and you're aware of this, probably better than I am, he says, finally, be strong. This is Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord, and the strength of his might, and that means that this is a, a situation which we need his strength and his might. He says, put on the full armor of God. Now, armor is clothing that is you wear to protect you when you're in battle. And so he's telling us here that part of the Christian life, there is a warfare going on, it's like a battle, and we're to put the armor that he has supplied on, um, and we do it so that we'll be able then to stand firm, and uh, as we read through this, the word against appears in that text many times, be able to stand firm, and, and the Greek, well, that word against uh, has uh, the Greek language, the prepositions, um, have the capacity of giving direction to the word itself whether it be over something or through something or around something or towards something or away from something, 
it has that capacity. In this case, it has to do with being right next to, right against something. And so the word is, is aptly translated that you'll be able to stand against uh, the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies or in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full, there it is again, armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, that's the belt that they the soldiers would wear to those the the, the, uh, the uniform to dangle down like a skirt, and so when they're in battle, they don't want that hanging up their legs, so they pull it up and gird it with a sash and tie it so that they have free freedom. And here, the truth is that which enables us to stand. It enables us to to um, be able to function because we're dealing with the truth, which, by the way, is one of the most wonderful. I think one of the most wonderful treasures we have is God's word, God's truth, knowing the truth about ourselves, knowing the truth about the Lord, knowing the truth about the circumstances we're in, in and going on. I've been thinking a lot about the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do these religious things? And Jesus will say, I declare to you, depart from me, for I never knew. They thought they were inside, and he said, I never knew you. Those are terrifying words. They are terrifying words, and yet they're going to be said, and according to the text of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that's going to be said to people in evangelical churches, and it's a margin, majority of people are going to hear that. And I don't want to be one of those, and I know you don't want to be one of those, but the point that I'm trying to make is this is a serious wake-up call. So having your loins girded about with truth and having put on the breastplate that protects your life, righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, put that on. Or having have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your feet, it's important to, to stand firm. The Roman soldiers used to put nails to their sandals so they could get a good grip. On the, on the ground they were fighting. And here is just saying that the gospel is that that reality that we've embraced that get, puts us at peace with God and enables us to fight without having to, to second guess what God is or our relationship with the Lord or whatever. That is a that is a massive, massive blessing to have that peace with God and the peace of God. That is unbelievable when to have that. He goes on to say, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith, uh, which means you need to know the word, and that word will enable you to defend yourself against the flaming arrows of the evil one, and then take up the helmet of salvation. The salvation protects your mind and your, your head, and as well as that, the sword of the spirit, which is not just a defensive, but an offensive weapon as well. It's a not just a big sword, but the, the, it's a small sword that it's like verses of scripture that you can quickly use in times of pressure, in times of emergency. And uh, this, all of this is the equipment God has given us because we're in a battle. 
there's warfare going on, and all of us struggle with that. I know I struggle with it, and I know you do too. And uh, that when the Bible says in the world you'll have tribulation, it's saying in the world you'll have pressure. There will be pressure on you, and that there will be uh, there will be struggles and so on and so forth. And so he goes on talking about that. He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Uh, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, because the, the whole church and all the saints are involved in this warfare. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the ongoing of my mouth, the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness. Because again, we're in a struggle and it's easy to be timid, make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, by the way, uh, an ambassador. I love, I love that term, uh, an ambassador. I was looking at the definition, says a it's a diplomatic, uh, diplomatic of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government, sovereign as the resident representative of that government. And so here is, Paul, a, a representative of the highest rank of the gospel, but he's in chains because of his faithfulness to the gospel. Though it, it, it's, a, it's a good, clear illustration to my mind that this, the gospel and the servant serving the Lord, there is a, there's warfare involved in it. Timothy is a witness. Paul writes Timothy about this when Paul summarizes his life. He summarizes it in a very interesting way. He's on death row. He's about ready to die. He looks back over his life and he summarizes this about saying, I have fought the good fight. That is a summary of his life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but all who love his appearing. What does it mean to love his appearing? It means to long for it, means to be prepared for it, means to seek, to, to be um, anxious for it because we're in the right relationship with him. And we have to, and that's just really important. It, it, it's really important. It's like being in school, I've used that illustration before. You've not done your homework, and so the next day you're sitting down in class and the teacher's out mm -hmm. there, and you're looking down and you and I know that from experience. I know you don't believe that, but I know it from experience. You don't want to look at the teacher, you're looking down, hoping that, that she's not going to ask you the question that she does. Peter, what about this, that, and the other? And she knows. If you know the answer, if you've done it, you're right up at the top and you're up there and you have the answer. Do you see what I'm saying? All right. Well, it's, it's, it's the same thing here that to love is appearing is to be ready, to be prepared for it, to be anxious for it. Uh, Several other passages that, that um, Paul talks about says, uh, we're talking about the gospel, preach the gospel. He says, The command I've given you to preach the gospel, I have entrusted you, Timothy, my son, accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping the faith with a good conscience. Some have rejected and suffered shipwreck regarding the faith, and so on and so forth. The point I'm trying to make in this hit is that we're in a battle, there's a warfare going on. Paul tells Timothy, when he's talking about money and the, the, the love of money and the passion of money is the root of all evil and some seeking after have wandered away from the faith, he says, flee these things, that is the love of money and the, the seeking after that is the main goal of your life. Flee these things, you man of God, and pursue rather righteousness, godliness, faith, 
love, perseverance, and gentleness. Then he adds, and fight the good fight of faith, take hold of eternal life. And so the point again is that there is a battle going on, there's a conflict going on, and it's important. James, I was thinking about James. James asked the question, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Right? He's talking with the church, the people here and believers. He said, what's the source of these quarrels? What's the source of these conflicts? We sometimes say, well, it's my neighbor or it's my spouse or it's my kids or it's the election or whatever. James says, no, 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 no. The quarrels and the conflicts among you, the source of them is of the pleasures that wage war in your own members. There's a warfare going on inside. That's why we have a warfare outside because there's a warfare going on because I'm seeking my, we talked about that earlier about God's will and seeking his will. And I know what it's like to want what I want and uh, to really pursue that thinking it's, it's the best when it's not. I, I try, I really do try to ask the Lord to give me wisdom and to help me know his will because I, that's, that's the first thing, that's the top priority. That's what really matters. And so here's this, this conflict going on inside uh, the quarrels that are in your members. He says, you lust and you don't have, and you commit murder and you're envious. And I don't think he's saying that you just commit murder, but you hate somebody without, because you want something and you're willing to go and keep going to try to get it. You get your your uh, desires ahead of your, your heart, so to speak, and you want certain things. Probably you know what that's like. And I do, I know what that's like. And so these are words of warning. You fight and you quarrel, you do not have because you do not ask, or you ask and you do not see because you ask with wrong motives so that you can spend them on your own pleasures, your own lusts, your own passions. And so he goes on to say, friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever makes himself a friend of the world makes himself automatically an enemy of God. So the point is at the beginning of this passage that we are in conflict. Now we don't have much time. I'm going to quickly read through this. The first, the two words in that passage that stand out to me, uh, the word is the word avoid and the word rejoice or reject. The word avoid is a very interesting word. It means, means to stand around, to keep away. Maybe the illustration came to my mind, and it may not be a good illustration, but you've seen, you go down the road, you see sometimes these uh, street, these highway workers sitting around a job and leaning on shovels and other things like that while they're actually not doing the work, they're just watching it. And that's kind of the picture I get here. He's saying, you can sit around, but we kind of stay away from them. Don't get your hands dirty. Uh, and that's sort of what he's saying. Avoid foolish controversies. Foolish is the idea of stupid. Uh, of things that are not that don't have wisdom avoid uh, decisions avoid things that don't have wisdom controversies uh, debates or inquiries issues avoid these issues and these controversies and these topics that are lack wisdom that are that depart from from profitable and helpful discourse avoid those as well as uh, the genealogies, which the translator, one translator said has to do with building of a pedigree, genealogies, which has to do with certain, exalting certain um, people or certain things. I, I, I frequently, not frequently, but on several occasions have 
been standing in the line at the uh, Lowe's and somebody had come by with a shirt that says wait for it or a hat that says wait for it or whatever. And um, I asked them, well, they got, what's your connection to wait for us? So and so forth. And I said, well, you know the wait chapel down there? It's called wait chapel. Yep. That's named after my great, great, great grandfather, Samuel Wait. It is. My great, great, great grandfather was the first president of college. <coughs> and, uh, but here he is, we're exalting yourself. And then I think of Vance Havner, who said that people who looked at their ancestry as like potatoes, they find the best parts on the ground. <laughs> and that's true. We're reveling in the glory of somebody else who's come and gone. They did something great. We did nothing except talk about it. And so this is. Um, this, this, these people relative, uh, uh, need to avoid the foolish controversies and these genealogies building up their pedigrees and the strife. Strife means wrangling, means contention, means struggling. That's part of the conflict. Avoid people that cause strife and cause quarrels. Disputes is another word there that has to do with quarrels. Avoid this. Avoid these controversies. Avoid these foolish uh, lack of wisdom uh, inquiries and debates and uh, the building of, of, of previous uh, families and uh, pedigrees and strife and things like that. These are queries that center around various doctrinal issues and things like that. Avoid these arguments that have no purpose regarding the law, uh, regarding religious issues that, that, are, that don't build anything. They're not profitable. They are vain, they're empty, they're worthless, or whatever. And the point here is, and I'm going to, uh, I think, kind of come to an end on this, but the point is, is that this, this uh, debate that takes place is real in the church, and that this kind of thing takes place, and we want to avoid that. We, 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 we know this controversy, we know this conflict in the church, we know that, we know that there are those that, that are working to uh, and I've read uh, some about some of the doctrinal departures that some have made, and you've probably read some too. We know that goes on, but we want to avoid in our local assembly and in our fellowship getting involved in these wasted, useless debates. Uh, because you know you can you can sometimes get started. I've heard of that. People get started about sovereignty of God and the free will of man and get these debates. And sometimes the debates can get heated. That's just stupid. It just doesn't make sense. And so um, we're on the same team, and we love the Savior, and we want we want to see His name exalted, and we want to see His work promoted. And so this is this is really I think it's really important. So these things He said, circle around, keep away from, avoid these things. These the uh, the word controversies, by the way, is uh, used by the Greeks to indicate philosophical inquiry. And uh, when people start talking about philosophical inquiry, I think of the bumper stickers that you see going around talking about critical thinking, the, the issue that's missing today. The problem is that the people that claim to be doing critical thinking are the ones that are not thinking critically. And uh, so it's, it's, it's really, it's always easy to pat ourselves on the back and to exalt ourselves. We have God's truth. That settles the issue. We're, we're talking this morning about um, debating about uh, how do we take two passages that seem to contradict each other and do we come to the conclusion there is a contradiction? Well, we know it's not a contradiction because we know God's word doesn't contradict itself. So that tells us we need to do it. It's a red flag. It tells us we need to do our homework. We need to get to the context, like you said, right? 
and look at it and, and see the, see the passages. And perhaps you might ask somebody else who's more mature than you are what they think. And you can, but just remember that the Bible is the final authority. It's God's word. It's not, it's not for error, it's for truth. And so uh, this is this is important. And these there are several issues. I'm not going to get into them because I don't have time, but there's several passages where there are discussions that are discussions not to come to an answer as much as to create some kind of division or argument to get some kind of uh, argument going. And uh, he's uh, the, Paul talked about avoiding empty words. It said in 2 Timothy 2, remind them of these saints, uh, Solomon charged them in the presence of God, not to wrangle or strive with about words, which is useless and leads to ruin of the hearers. Be diligent. Uh, that, I like that word diligent. Be, be diligent to do what? Present yourself approved to God. And he's talking to Timothy. Timothy, you want to, you're a young man, you want to prove. Be diligent, work hard to present yourself a workman approved to God. He does not need to be ashamed. That you want to, when you have the word, you want to handle it, you want to handle it accurately, you want to handle it with respect. Uh, it is the word of truth, and it needs to be handled that way. So avoid worldly and empty chatter. It leads to further ungodliness. And he, Paul says to Timothy, their talk will spread like gangrene. So the first point, and I know I'm moving kind of quickly through this, but the first point is, he says here, to uh, avoid these kinds of things, uh, foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So then, and this is where we want to stop, there is conflict in the church. There is need for uh, being um, alert, awake, being sensitive about this and realizing that there is a battle going on and we just want to be faithful with the truth that God has already given to us. We have been entrusted with a massive treasure of truth. We want to be faithful with it and handle uh, it accurately. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for um, this, this word. I pray that you will help me and help us be serious about it. It is easy, uh, and it, it's really easy for me. It's easy for us to take our reading and our studying lightly. I am so easy distracted, so easy distracted when I get down to reading and start looking up a verse or something and look up a definition and then I'm run off on a rabbit trail here, or I taking my phone to go to the dictionary see something that distracts my attention. It's just easy to do that. But I pray you'll protect us from these distractions and help us to be faithful with the things that you've entrusted to us and help us to be serious about the warfare that takes place in the church and help us not to contribute to division, but rather to work together for unity in the body to be faithful with the word and uh, obedient to the spirit as he reveals word to us and help us to be faithful in these things. And I pray this, and thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for these people. They come out, they sit here quietly every Sunday morning, and I just pray that the, the word will go forth, that hearts and lives will be touched, and your truth will be clear, and our lives will, will give evidence of obedience and submission to your truth. And I pray in Jesus' name, thanksgiving. Amen.